What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. You could all sing it with me by now. Thank you, everyone, for coming out and hanging out with us today. Look, this show is all about, for those of you who are brand new to it and just wanted to tune in, this is all the latest news and the big stories that hit each week inside the world of Apple and the tech world. Now, we know that it's the holiday season. It's a little slower right now, so what I've got lined up today, a very special interview guest, Steven Nielsen, the director of product for Adobe Photoshop. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was over at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Adobe Max is really where they hold their big yearly conference that showcase all the latest stuff that they're working on and the direction of where they're going. So obviously, Adobe Photoshop finally launched officially there, and there was a lot of great positive reception at the convention, but then outside of those walls, it kind of felt like a different story. So what I wanted to do is bring in Steven Nielsen, talk about Photoshop for the iPad, because I think that's what a lot of you are curious about. We talk about other features about Photoshop in general. Yes, this is geared towards kind of more of the creatives, but Steven really tackles this head on. We talk about all the cool things that are happening, but we don't shy away from some of the other questions that a lot of you have, like what's going on with the iPad version? When are new features coming? And also talking about, hey, there's other competitors on the App Store that are not subscription-based that are coming for you. Why should we care about Photoshop when someone like Affinity Photo has an app at this moment that does more than what Photoshop for iPad can do? So what is the reason why we should stay in that Adobe ecosystem world. We also have one order of business. Thank you so much for everyone who is supporting this show. I'm completely independent. You can support this at patreon.com slash Tong. Starting at $2 a month, it goes up to higher different levels, but the biggest thing, early access to content, exclusives at different levels, and the big thing, a completely ad-free version of this podcast. So thanks again, Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's just not hold this up anymore. Here's Steven Nielsen, the director of product at Photoshop and I, talking about Photoshop. All right, everybody, special guest in the house, Steven Nielsen, director of product management for Adobe Photoshop. Hey, uh, Steven, that's a big, big title right there. <laughs> <laughs> big shoes to fill. Oh, absolutely. Ken, you know what? Um, thanks so much for taking time to jump on the podcast with us. I'm really appreciate it. I know you're a really busy guy, Photoshop, Photoshop for iPad, all all of that and, and more really how it ties in. But could you kind of tell our audience a little bit about yourself, some background so they have kind of have an idea and maybe some of the things that you juggle and do? Yeah. Um, so I've been on the team for eight or almost nine years now. So, uh, uh, but I'm still kind of a young person on the team, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I, my background, I've been using Photoshop since I think around version 5.5. Um, I got really into photography in college and did some, some wedding photography for a while. Um, and then, uh, you know, did a couple things and ended up here at Adobe um, my job is basically working with uh, uh, customers, trying to figure out what we should build in the next version of Photoshop, and then working with the developers and the testers and the designers to bring that to life. And 
and then uh, doing a bunch of other stuff at the company, uh, helping coordinate all the marketing and PR and all that fun stuff as well. So well, it's a fun I, job. You know, I mean, the Photoshop still is today the flagship product for Adobe. I mean, when anyone says Adobe, they think of Photoshop. So um, that that that's a lot of responsibilities, right? Was there any pressure? <laughs> was there any pressure or the idea of it? I've been, I honestly, when you said Photoshop 5.5, that's literally, I, I believe I jumped on it either 5 or 5.5 myself. So I've been using it for a long time as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, uh, again. You know, there's there's a, a lot of our customers have been using it even longer than that. Yep. Uh, but uh, that was that was about when I started. So you know, there's a lot of great things coming out. We just wrapped up um, Adobe Max conference in Los Angeles. I was actually out there. The reason why I wanted to bring on Stephen to the show is because I actually went to the Photoshop. Uh, uh, it was like everything new in Photoshop panel at Adobe Max, and I learned a whole lot. And I'm like, you know what, this guy would be killer to have the pod and so you know i know the big thing that came out of adobe max one of the big things that people have been waiting for a while is photoshop for ipad and i kind of wanted to first on touch upon you know this is the first time you're really bringing one of your flagship app to the ipad people have been really waiting for a long time for this tell me about kind of just from your standpoint from the team how is it for bringing the actual app to to a mobile device yeah, I mean, it's actually been a really long journey in that um, I actually was the, the product manager for our first uh, iPad app, uh, Photoshop iPad app, Photoshop Touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is back in like 2012 or 13. I can't remember exactly the dates, but it was, you know, that was our, our first Photoshop branded app. And, um, you know, since then... Uh, since Photoshop Touch, we've had Photoshop Mix and Fix and Sketch and Photoshop Express. Uh, all, you know, and, and even Lightroom carries the Photoshop uh, brand. It's a Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop Lightroom. But this is the first time where we've actually taken the actual code base of Photoshop and put it on an iPad. So all of our other previous efforts on, uh, you know, uh, that were Photoshop apps were really just meant to work with Photoshop and do Photoshop-like things. But this is the first one where we're actually taking the same code as desktop and putting it on iPad. It obviously looks different. Uh, we have, you know, a different design on top of it, but it's actually the Photoshop code base running on an iPad, which is if you kind of take a step back, a tremendous technical <laughs> accomplishment, a huge kudos to the engineering team for, for pulling off that feat. I mean, when I think about that, when you guys were talking about at Adobe Max, I mean, this is, you know, when you talk about legacy code, this is arguably what, more more than a decade, decades of code and stuff that you have to bring over, but also bring it in a fresh way. That That's not, I know everyone's like, oh, you know, we, the people, the consumers get a benefit from that, but that takes a lot of time to to do to actually do and properly. It's not that easy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of you know unsexy work <laughs> that needs to be done uh, to move to an iPad uh, in like what we've done, um, and so you know the end user typically only sees the UI that we've put on top of it. But there's so much underneath that is there waiting to be unlocked and uh, that needed to get done uh, before we could even put the UI on top. 
Yeah, what about the challenges of, you know, people that have used Photoshop on the iPad, myself, there is a learning curve because this is a totally different device. This is not a desktop uh, computer. So you had to really rethink the interface. There's kind of a, I don't know exactly what you call it, but it's that button or that touch area in the corner that allows you to mm -hmm. kind of change some of the functionality of the tools. How was actually rethinking the interface? Because being part of that product team, I'm, I know that you probably went through a lot of iterations of how are we going to actually do this? Yeah, you know, I mean, I would say that, uh, and I, just to clarify, this was not all me by any means. <laughs> There's a whole team of product managers uh, on my team that, that have been uh, working on this, as well as a, a team of designers. Um, but, you know, if I... I guess I need to speak for them and say, you know, I think the, the fun the fun thing about this was taking the opportunity to rethink uh, certain things in Photoshop. The challenging thing um, was to do it in a way that would be um, familiar to an existing user user of Photoshop, but also intuitive to somebody who had not used Photoshop. And I think we came up with some really good um, solutions that do both. In some cases, there may be something that's a little too far one way or the other. Uh, so we're, we're definitely going to keep experimenting and, and iterating on the design. But it, it certainly was a big challenge and a lot of fun in a lot of ways because, uh, you know, uh, it because of the challenge you know, and because of the opportunity to kind of rethink some of the iconic uh, workflows or, or capabilities of Photoshop. I, I've worked with it for a good amount. I think that going to the actual classes in person helped a whole lot for me to get a better grasp because I, I also come from the generation where back in the day when I had to learn Photoshop, instead of I could have gone to classes, but I was younger at the time, so I didn't have the money. So I would just literally buy the book right? It was the how to use Photoshop and go lesson by lesson and read it. It allowed me to actually understand it a whole lot more. But specifically with Photoshop on the iPad, even if you know Photoshop and you can dink around, you can kind of click on, press on things with a pencil, it's still, it. nothing will beat a class with someone that basically save, it's even saving you 30 seconds to figure something out. You're like, okay, okay, I got it. Was there anything that surprised you or stood out to you while actually developing the app for iPad? Um, in, in terms of what would be it could be uh, anything. most challenging? Or? Yeah, it could be anything. You know, even if someone, even if it's something that no one would care about except for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of the pleasant surprises was, you know, because, and, and I, I don't know how much of a, this is a surprise, but it was always a, uh, a great thing when it happened is there were a lot of times where we had an idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could add this uh, to Photoshop really quickly? Um, you know, we're on a tight schedule. We're trying to, to get things done and we didn't have much time. And uh, there were a, there were a number of times where we're like, I think maybe we, the, the engineer was like, I think we could maybe turn that on uh, really quickly because, like I said, it's still the same code of Photoshop underneath. Um, you know, keyboard shortcuts was a good example. One of the engineers was like, I think I could probably make it so that the keyboard shortcuts work like really quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, 
And he was able to, you know, just hook into that part of the code and voila, we've got keyboard shortcuts working on iPad. Mm. Um, now, not everything falls under that category. I'll just say it's, you know, it is the, the same code base of Photoshop underneath, but not all of the UI and not all, of, not everything is there. So some things are pretty easy for us to just turn on. Uh, other things are, you know, we got to totally rethink the experience, uh, how you access it, um, and are more difficult. Um, so, but it was always a, a very pleasant surprise when there was something as easy as just, you know, oh, we'll just turn this on and it works because <laughs> it's Photoshop. <laughs> That's really cool of how, and obviously these two apps, the desktop app and the iPad app share the same DNA and they will be sharing some features, you know, now and moving forward. Okay, I have to talk about this just from Photoshop as a whole. The select subject tool. Now, for those of people that don't know, if you've ever experienced Photoshop and you had to select an object, let's say it was a fish in an ocean or something more complex like an animal or a person in the background, you wanted to select them, right? Back in the day, we kind of had a trace around. Then we had the magnetic lasso. Then we had the magic wand. But you have this crazy select subject tool, which is it's, I would say it's about 90, 95% accurate with what I've been using, at least on the desktop version, where you basically press a button and AI within Adobe and what you guys are working with can analyze this photo and pick it out. And you just have to do a little bit of clean touches. I'd love for you to talk about this whole Adobe Sensei AI engine and how that came to be because AI is such a hot buzzword right now in technology across across um, all platforms. And you're using this in Photoshop, and it's that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's doing a lot of other things. But can you talk about Adobe Sensei platform for people that don't know? Because some people that are listening to this have no idea what it is and why it's so powerful. Sure. I, I think this is one of the most exciting <laughs> areas uh, right now in, in, in our industry. Um, so a, a couple things that I'll say just, just right off the bat. There's actually two different features uh, and and these are both only right now on the desktop version, but coming soon to iPad. One feature is called Select Subject, and it's just a button in the Tool Options bar, in the top bar. If you have one of the selection tools, you can just click that button. So if you have the Lasso tool selected, there's a button, Select Subject. You click it, and it will automatically select the most prominent object in your image. <laughs> it's so unfair, Steven. It's, it's, it's really it's really pretty magical. But the, the other tool that we released uh, is uh, called the object selection tool. And this is in this, it's a tool uh, grouped together with magic wand and the quick select tool. And it's actually at the top of that grouping now. And the way that tool works is uh, there's a marquee mode and a lasso mode. The default's at the marquee. You just draw a marquee or a box around <laughs> the thing that you want it to select. And it will use a similar machine learning algorithm to just make a selection of that thing. I like to think about it as like shrink wrap. You just <laughs> kind of like lay some shrink wrap over it and then use the heat gun and it just like shrinks around it. That's kind of how it works. You just draw a box around something and it'll shrink down to a really nice selection of the object that you had in the box. <laughs> so, I mean, both of these tools, you know, like I said, they're using a, a similar algorithm uh, behind the scenes. But as you mentioned, they are using a completely different way of coding. And this is machine learning. And for those that, 
you know, aren't super familiar with what this means, it's a totally different way of developing software. Previously, the way you would write an algorithm for, uh, you know, Magic Wand, for example, is you would, you know, the developer would have to like think through um, mathematically, how do I want to represent, like, you know, I have to think through like this abstract concept of how I want this thing to operate and then somehow define it, you know, through uh, tolerances and say, you know, if, you know, you see this sort of thing, then do this. It's not really an if-then uh, statement, but that kind of constructing a logical sequence of, you know, an algorithm. And so it's a, a tremendous, um, tremendously difficult and complex to build something that works well in a lot of cases. Machine learning is a completely different approach. Instead of, you know, an engineer or a researcher having to come up with their own algorithm, what they do is they create a different type of algorithm that can learn. And just like a baby learns to, like, recognize objects, you know, after trying uh, a bunch of uh, things and trial and error, this algorithm, if you just give it a lot of examples of here's an image and here's the selection that I made with this image. And just like a baby, if you give it, you know, 10,000, 100,000 images, after a while, the algorithm itself starts to learn, oh, I see what you want me to do. Like, if I you give me this image, I'm supposed to make a selection. Um, Okay, and now you can give it any image and it will say, oh, I I think I know what you want me to do. And... uh, it's a really interesting um, and powerful uh, trend in uh, the industry right now. And I think Photoshop has one of the uh, most exciting, you know, uh, use cases for this because there's, there's so much untapped potential um, in allowing the computer to learn how to do tedious tasks um, and then, you know, partnering with the computer to be creative. Uh, it's one of the things that our, our chief product officer, Scott Belsky, talks about a lot is, you know, humans are uniquely creative. Like we are, as, you know, as a species, it's one of the things that makes us different and certainly makes us different compared to machines. So allowing the machine to take over some of the tedious tasks and allowing the human operator to be, to spend more time being creative I think is a a really uh, exciting trend. It is super exciting. I was at Adobe Max at the main keynotes and our listeners are used to, we talk a lot about Apple products and they're all very tech savvy. But you know, when you, when sometimes a new feature comes out that maybe a phone or computer has, everyone goes, oh, and gets really excited about this. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, being at the Adobe Max conference, when you guys showed off <laughs> subject select and some of these other things, the audible sound was as if you were a keynote and Steve Jobs, <laughs> r- r- you know, showed off the new iPhone. I mean, people are going crazy because you just heard people whispering of, oh, my God, I can't believe it does this. And just how much time that saves because yeah. it does this. I mean, there's times where I had to trace an object. And you had to make corrections and do this and blah, blah, blah. Some people use masks and refined masks. And it it takes 
five, 10 minutes to do some of these things. And this at least got you about 90, 95% of it done in a half of a second. So people were going bonkers. And I know, I mean, that's something that's really cool. Now that tool, it is coming to Photoshop on iPad. Do you, I know you guys have obviously, and we'll talk about some of this uh, aggressive timetable of new features coming to the iPad. Do you know or can tell us roughly when we might see that actually arrive? Will it be early 2020 or end of this year or anything like that, roughly? Well, I can say it's it's not going to be end of this year. We have a bit more work to do on object selection tool. <laughs> Select subject, which is the fully automatic one, is further along. Um, so that one, that one's going to come sooner. I don't have any exact dates to share uh, today, um, but uh, we're going to be moving really quickly to get more and more features onto iPad as soon as we can. All right, I know. I, I hey, hey, you know what? I tried, Stephen. I'm, that's that's part of my job. <laughs> um, I do, I do want to bring up another thing. At the panel, you had showed off kind of a list of some of the future features coming to. I believe this is Photoshop on iPad as well. Um, rotate canvas, refine edge, select and mask, select subject or object selection, some more brushing options. These are all things that a lot of the regular users have been asking for. Are those yep. also TBD or how about this? Would you be able to even say we might see these by the end of 2020? Is that a safe bet? Yeah, it's definitely our goal. Uh, all the things that you mentioned, uh, definitely by the end of 2020. We did want to kind of talk about you know, this perception of how people perceived Photoshop for iPad. You know, again, I keep on saying I was at the conference, but I think people at Adobe Max inside those walls, inside those classes were genuinely excited about the product. I didn't hear people complain about, but we always know that the internet is like outside of these walls. People react differently. And at the time, I don't know what it is right now and I don't really care, but I, you know, I know that this is you guys have committed to moving this forward and be aggressive about it. But do you think there was a disconnect between maybe what people were expecting out of Photoshop on the iPad on day one versus maybe what was communicated? Because I I, I don't know if that's where people started getting frustrated. But what do you think was kind of behind some of that? I think there's a there's a couple things, um, but certainly I think people had very high expectations for Photoshop on iPad. And, you know, I think we could have done a better job of uh, explaining and setting those expectations up front. Uh, if you go back to Max last year when we announced Photoshop on iPad, we were actually very careful to say that it was real Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And what we meant by that is it's running the real code base of Photoshop, has 100% document compatibility, pixel accuracy, etc. But most people in interpreted that to be to we said real photoshop and many people heard full photoshop mm. and and you know and, and, I, and we saw this in like comments and blogs and even press articles are like whoa we said real but they said full uh, <laughs> you know and we thought that that you know that we were being clear enough in the distinction of it was, uh, but uh in hindsight i don't think it was i, I think i think it was confusing and, and people uh, you know, they heard real and, you know, I, I won't blame people for, for kind of assuming that that meant full Photoshop. Um, so I think if, you know, I think, uh, there were definitely high expectations for, for iPad, uh, going in. Um, I think the other thing too, 
you know, if you look at the um, reviews in the App Store, a lot of the people that are leaving really negative reviews um, are actually leaving a review about the subscription model mm. and not about the actual product itself. Um, there's certainly things to to point out and, and gaps and you know uh, you know problems or warts with with the product, but I, I wish that we had a way to kind of separate out <laughs> the people who don't want to pay for it <laughs> versus the people who think it's not good because yeah I, I've been combing through hundreds and hundreds of reviews in the last you know a week or two and 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 trying to make sense of it all and I I definitely see a trend that there's a lot of negative reviews that are talking about the price uh, but the product I think is uh, a different um, I think there's room to evaluate both yeah yeah I think you know what also we know look the internet is great and it's horrible at the same time and there's sometimes it does become trendy for when people see maybe a certain thought or idea, whether it's a mainstream thought or a vocal minority that becomes a negative thought that becomes big. Sometimes it taps into how someone might be feeling that day because their coffee didn't have enough cream or sugar and they just unload and it becomes <laughs> this thing where it gets a little ridiculous. Like the way that you responded to that was very measured about, yeah, there's we understand what's going on, but I, I do agree with you because a lot of people I asked uh, my listeners, hey, what what questions would you like me to ask Steven? And we'll get to a few of them, but some of the trends were about the price and about the subscription fee. And we know that this is, uh, I don't know if it's a barrier to entry, but people are seeing, obviously there's competitors like Affinity out there that is a different product. It doesn't have the legacy in the ecosystem um, that Adobe has. But when someone, the general consumer who may not be familiar, who's maybe getting into this, sees $20 for Affinity Photo, or, or I think it was for a limited time, I, I normally think it's around $40 or $50. And then they see that Adobe has their subscription fee. Are you guys, have you guys looked into thinking about maybe doing a standalone price just for Photoshop on iPad eventually? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, our strategy is that we believe uh, very deeply in uh, a perpetual, uh, it's not perpetual, but a ongoing, um, ongoing value delivered through a subscription. Um, you know, Adobe moved to subscriptions uh, uh, several years ago, and I think it's been a fantastic thing uh, for, for the company and for, and, and especially for customers. It allows us to provide not just a standalone app, but apps and services, updates to the app continuously. And I, I get, I get the hesitation. Um, you know, I, I know it's different for a lot of people, but I have to say that, you know, if you buy the Creative Cloud Photography plan on Adobe.com for ten dollars, uh, it's ten dollars a month. You get Photoshop on desktop. You get Lightroom, you get Photoshop on iPad, you get Adobe font, like a, a 16,000 super high quality Adobe fonts, you get Creative Cloud libraries, you get cloud documents syncing <laughs> together desktop and iPad. You get so much value for $10. Um, I think that's a steal. Um, I, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, 
the subscription model is a great thing for customers. It, you know, Photoshop in, in, in my early days was unapproachable, you know, yeah. I, I got to use it because it was at school, but it was like six or $700 yep. Yep. and like that, that's just, that was a non-starter, but now for the price of, you know, $10 every month, you know, it's, you know, a couple, a uh, couple drinks at Starbucks. Uh, I get access to world-class uh, software that I can create super high quality professional work. And I can do that across my desktop and my iPad. I can move seamlessly between them um, with no data loss, no conversions. Um, I get you know, all the other services that I mentioned earlier. I think it's a, actually a fantastic deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm nodding my head because I'm a subscriber to your services. I mean, I do it for my job creating content. And so I get how the, I think maybe the app culture of the idea of, oh, I can get a game for 99 cents or a game for five bucks. Oh, I can get an app here for five bucks or 10 bucks. So when when it's when we start talking about apps, unless you're already part of an ecosystem, which Apple has done very well, if you're part of an ecosystem like Adobe, you understand that there is value and there's reasons behind it. But if you're that kind of the first time customer, it kind of freaks them out. And also, let's be real, most first time customers that are in the creative fields, it's not a cheap profession to get into. Right. And so I was just, you know, I think that from what you're saying and what it sounds like you're saying is without saying it is, it doesn't look like there will be a standalone price for Adobe Photoshop for iPad because the strat that's not the strategy that you guys are approaching, correct? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't want to promise anything. Correct, but correct. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it would be highly unlikely because uh, I think we found that uh, the subscription model is a great, um, ends up being a great thing for, for customers. And I think that if you surveyed most Creative Cloud customers, I think they would agree. Mm-hmm. I think there, you know, there was initially a lot of, confusion and fear around subscription-based software. But I think that most people have noticed, like, actually, it's been really great because you don't have to worry about, like, oh, do I upgrade? Do I buy the new version? Like, Mm -hmm. is the new version good? You know, it's like, no, you get it for free. (laughs) Like, it's just included in your subscription. And, you know, when we first moved, there were a lot of people that were really resistant. I think it's just, you know, one of the these trends in the industry that takes a while to catch on, like electric cars. It's like, you know, people are like really suspicious and just don't think that it's going to work. And then, you know, they try it out and they're like, actually this, this totally makes sense. Like, um, and it's, and it's a great thing. Yeah. I I mean, look, part of my content is supported by people on Patreon that support me monthly. And I think that quite honestly, in a weird way, platforms like yours like really big platforms that kind of you know for better lack of a word like stepped on the grenade or landed on the grenade early on years ago kind of helped develop this idea that if there is value to be given and it is value and it is value that someone takes advantage of then it's absolutely worth it right it's all about the value and how much that's worth to the user and without a subscription model with Patreon for me I wouldn't be able to keep on doing this so I think that it uh, as long as you get as long as I'm giving them value and as long as you as Adobe are giving people value they'll continue to be customers or uh, consumers of that content. Yeah and I I think that 
I, I think uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, believe that most customers would agree that we've really <laughs> earned uh, their trust in that, um, you know, when it was initially like people were thinking that, okay, $10 a month, is Adobe really going to upgrade Photoshop or are they just going to like take my money forever and then leave it, you know, not updated ever again. And that has definitely mm-hmm. not come to pass. Mm-hmm. I think that we, I think we've done a fantastic job of proving that, Hey, if you are a subscriber, you're going to get great stuff year after year, month after month. Um, and, and it's just going to get better and better. All right. Um, we're going to jump. Thank you for all that. We're going to jump over to just a few questions. Some of them are out there. Some, you know, if it's too out there, don't worry. I'm just literally representing the people and posing their questions for you. Um, we sure. have Roberto Fonseca who asks, what are the features that Adobe will prioritize to bring to iPad app after the past few weeks of feedback from users? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a long list of uh, requests that we've heard. I'll say just at the outset, um, if you have a feature you want to suggest or you want to vote on uh, other features, uh, other people's requests, go to feedback.photoshop.com and just look for Photoshop uh, Mobile, and it and you can see what other people have requested and vote on their requests um, or submit your own. Um, but certainly some of the most popular things that have come up, um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a few basic things that we just, we knew we just couldn't get them in in time. We knew that they were going to be important, but, um, uh, you know, and so we're, we're finishing them up things like rotate the canvas, uh, some more, uh, controls over Apple pencil when you're brushing, being able to use your own Photoshop brushes, which, by the way, we have a phenomenal solution. I think people are going to be really excited about mm. uh, once once we release it. Um, it's it's even better than you might expect. Um, and then there's you know a whole there's a whole host of um, you know editing features that uh, you know people have been requesting things like curves. Things like more uh, filters, um, more adjustment layers, uh, smart objects. Um, and then there's other things like, uh, you know, interoperability with Lightroom, uh, Lightroom Mobile. Um, you know, uh, all of these things, All I- I'll say generally all of the requests that we've heard were not unexpected. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we knew that those were things that we needed to do next. Um and we've already on most of them. We've already started work. So um, I would say there were, there weren't too many surprises uh, after we launched. You know, kind of knew or we had a, a good idea of what people were going to be missing, and and that's what we're working on next. Is it is it safe to say? And I'm just saying this from using it. It felt like the approach for version one of Photoshop on iPad was to make it an app that was good for could do compositing and do some editing but with the understanding that because you guys didn't have the whole suite there that this was almost like a bridge for someone who could do a project and then maybe on their commute do a few things to mess with it and then bring it back to their computer or desktop because these are cloud files that work 
and the the whole cloud solution totally worked seamlessly for me. I was just trying to, I thought that, oh, wow, it totally yeah. does work. Yeah. It was great. But is, is that almost that you're seeing it because it wasn't fully featured? It's almost like this middleman while people are on the go and commuting in their busy work lifestyle? Absolutely. You know, I, it's a daunting task to take a product that is almost 30 years old uh, and has so much capability and bring it to the iPad. Uh, there's no way we could wait until we had every feature in the product. And so our strategy was let's focus on one or two very um, you know, uh, specific workflows that you could complete end to end and also you know, that take advantage of what's unique about iPad, mainly touch and especially the Apple Pencil. And where we landed on was, like you said, compositing workflows, May, you know, making a selection, drawing with your brush, uh, painting a mask, that sort of thing. So that combined with a really seamless way of moving between iPad and desktop uh, was kind of the strategy. And that, that last part is key. You know, we spent an enormous amount of effort on this cloud document set, uh, 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 system. And it's one of the underappreciated things about the release because it just works. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing because it really allows you to, like you were saying, you can start a project on your desktop just and then run out the door, pick up your iPad. It's exactly where you left it. Go back to the desktop, go back to your iPad, go back to your desktop go, as many times as you want. Just move back and forth. You're never converting a file. You're never losing quality. Um, you know, it's 100% pixel accuracy. Um, that was key to this version one. We know that it can't do everything, but it can open every file. It can show you and without losing data. And it can while you're using it, you can complete some great retouching and compositing workflows. The next task is to expand the workflows that you can complete solely on iPad, and we'll keep adding and adding more workflows uh, to iPad. But with this cloud documents connection between iPad and desktop, um, you know, you're really never boxed in and mm -hmm. unable to do anything. If something's missing, it's really easy to just Go back to your desktop and the same file is there with every all of your work saved. Yeah, and I like how when you were doing the presentation, you talked about the changes that you make. It's not like it's building an entirely new file. It's basically making those changes with that specific layer. So you're not re-uploading, let's say, a 10 gig file every time you just change the smallest thing. I, that, that's that's exactly. important as that's important as an artist and a creative on the go. Yep, yeah, so... Yeah, more specifically, what what I was explaining is how, because we understand the PSD format, we we're doing some really clever things so that if you have you know a thousand layers and a ten gigabyte file, and you just change one of the layers, the, the text in one of the layers, we'll only send back, we'll only sync that one text layer, not the entire ten gigabyte file. So it'll be nice and fast and really efficient at transferring that between the iPad and desktop. Okay, you just sparked a random idea. I do a lot of YouTube stills because I have YouTube videos. When when is any type of text editor in the works for Photoshop? Is that one of the workflows coming soon? Yeah, I mean you you can you can edit text on iPad today. You can add text. 
Um, a lot of the advanced typography controls are not there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can create text layers on iPad Photoshop today. In fact, um, the Adobe font library is also accessible on iPad. This is a little known fact that if you download the Creative Cloud app, you can actually install, you know, 14, something like 14,000 Adobe fonts to your iPad really? and you use those in Photoshop on iPad. Um, so really, really powerful. Um, there's still lots of work for us to do and adding in kerning and tracking and all sorts of advanced typography controls, but the, you know, the basics are there. That's, that's super cool. I did not know that at all. Okay. We have a couple more questions before you, uh, we let you go. And again, thank you so much for your time, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Um, uh, user Stevie says this is semi related, but are there any plans that you may know of to bring Adobe Captivate to iPad or something like that for e-learning professionals. So for those people that are listening, this is kind of like a software demonstration tool, captures and shows it and can be shared kind of like as an e-learning tool. Do you, I know you, all these apps are really connected to each other. Um, Illustrator was shown off big time at Adobe Max. Are are you guys, how much of the suite are you really looking to bring? I know it's kind of baby steps because you still got to get iPad on Photoshop all the way out. Yeah, I, I I can't speak specifically to Adobe Captivate's uh, roadmap. Um, I haven't talked to that team about it, but um, I'd say generally, you know, uh, we're really excited as a company about the opportunity for bringing and uh, rethinking our apps for iPad. Yeah, I'm I'm crossing my fingers that we see something cool. I mean, I still haven't found a video editor mobily that I would really use. And I'm a premier guy. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to cross my fingers and wink at you have right you, now. Have you used a uh, premier rush? I have used premier rush in, you know, kind of casually, but with the multiple many layers and stuff that I do, um, I haven't committed to trying to make a full on, you know, I'll have like five or six or seven layers of stuff going on at times. So I'm just like, I'm going to keep this on my machine right now because it's 4K that I'm dealing with. So, um, but are you saying I should try Adobe Rush? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not much of a video guy myself, but um, I know what the Premiere Rush team has done is quite impressive. Um, uh, being able to work on a mobile device, I, I believe they even support 4K and that you can you can always open up that project in Premiere on your desktop as well. That's true. That's uh, my understanding. So it's a pretty powerful workflow for like, video as well. You're all give it a shot. Okay, uh, this last one, this is totally out there. So just just try this. On, try me on this. Uh, it's from user Nope Nope. He or she asks, any plans for Adobe products on Apple Glasses? Or will... <laughs> <laughs> or here's another one. Or do you believe iPad for Photoshop or Photoshop for iPad will one day be equally or even better than on a Mac? Uh, I'll address the first part of the question first. (laughs) Uh, If you can tell me what Apple glasses are, I would love to uh, hear. (laughs) Uh, And I think a lot of people would want to know the details of what Apple glasses uh, are if they ever come to be. Um, I'll, I'll just say... We want Photoshop to run everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere that somebody wants to use it. Um, so, yeah, uh, if and when that comes to pass, uh, comes to pass, uh, we'll, we'll we'll totally be looking at it for sure. Um, 
With regards to, uh, I think the question was, will f- iPad ever be as capable as desktop? Was that, was that the question? Yeah, yeah, basically equally or better than on the Mac. Well, I think it kind of depends on what you define as better, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think certainly some things, there's a lot of things on today that are better on Photoshop on iPad. True, agree. So, you know, uh, if you're using the lasso tool, uh, on desktop, I never use the lasso tool. <laughs> like it's a terrible uh, experience. But on iPad with the Apple Pencil, it's actually kind of nice. Yeah. Um, so I would say better, you know, is dependent on what you mean. And I, I do think that there will be, uh, there are now and will be lots of other things that will be quote unquote better on iPad. I think that it's likely going to be the case that desktop will continue to have more capabilities as far as options uh, than iPad, at least for a long time. I mean, there are a lot of nooks and crannies in Photoshop desktop. Um, so uh, I don't think that we will bring all of those nooks and crannies to, to iPad because, frankly, some of them never are used and <laughs> <laughs> don't really matter that much. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how things evolve over the next couple of years. Awesome. Well, Stephen, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. You know what? I appreciate you being a really straight shooter when we started asking questions about some of the spots that people are frustrated about because I will tell you, you know, a lot of times when I talk to certain people in certain positions, I get marketing-like answers, and I really appreciate that you just told us how it is. And so I just want to say thank you for that candor. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, thanks so much, everybody. That's Steven Nielsen, Director of Product Management for Adobe Photoshop. Um, hopefully, we can bring you back on the show down the road. But thank you again so much. And this was really great. I think uh, people are going to enjoy listening to this and learned a lot of things from you as well. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody. That was Steven Nielsen from Adobe. Thanks again to him for spending his time on the show. I think that, look, he he addressed the stuff, the controversy, what people might be not so happy about. But I think the biggest nugget that I took away from this talk is how powerful Adobe's Sensei AI platform is and is going to be. And I've already seen it change how I use Photoshop on a day-to-day basis. And this is just really the first time that they're really integrating this stuff. And it's going to take on a whole life of its own moving forward with all of its apps. But again, uh, you know, hopefully you all took something away from that and uh, I enjoyed having Steven as a guest. All right, now just want to let you know, I'm going to try and throw in before the break just a little mini episode of the stuff that's important, maybe just an update on some of the small things going on inside the world of Apple because there's not really that much right before the holidays, just a few nuggets. But again, you can call into the show, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And also, thanks again to our platinum apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jared Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you so much for supporting this show and all of my work at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. And if you cannot support the show financially, look, we are so close. I think we have 976 reviews, five stars. I'm looking for 24 of you 
out of the literally roughly 20k that listen to the show each week just leave a five star review put in a few words so that it helps raise the status of the show in the algorithm and it just helps out everything i would appreciate it so much but that's going to do it for this week everybody if i don't talk to you until later enjoy the holidays we're just ramping up we will continue to have shows and episodes every week but that's going to do it for now take care everybody be safe it's the apple bits xl baby peace